Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, all right, Matthew, it's been an interesting week. Do you want to tell us what's been so interesting about the last <laughs> week? Yes, so I recently got engaged. Hey, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, man. Congratulations. Yeah, it was, cool. it was this past Saturday. We, uh, we uh, yeah, went to the canal, had a great day, had some, some festivities afterwards with friends and family, and um, yeah, we, you know, she is my fiance now, Haley, Haley Fulmer. Hey, that is awesome. I'm super excited. I know everyone here is excited. I know your family is excited. And now our listeners can be excited yeah, that's because right. that's big news, man. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm Thanks. super excited. Yeah, very, very new, uh, new season. Um, yeah. You know, out of, out of that dating season into this oh, engagement, yeah. preparing for marriage. It's, it's exciting. You know, yeah. marriage is, is the, is the telos of, of dating. It's the goal. For dating, right? For that's for, right. Uh, for all this, so that's where we're headed, and that's what we're excited for. So, yeah, man, thanks for Look at that. That's so well said. <laughs> I like that. Good, man. Well, um, yeah, and and uh, you know, right before summer too, so you can enjoy the mm -hmm. engagement bliss. It's not really, you know, it's like it's like the 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 uh, I don't know before the marriage. You know, you got to wait wait a little bit, but yeah, it's still it's right. still it's 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 nice. There's a security to it. I'm excited for both of you. And June's here. And so um, so what kind of summer things you guys got planned? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so one one beach trip with the family. Uh, we'll be going nice. down to Hilton Head in July. Um, and honestly, for me, <laughs> be a lot of likely wedding prep. Um, oh, know, yeah, man. Enjoying. Be, be, be doing that. Uh, a lot of, um, I'm sure, working through all the logistics with that, with, with, with Haley, with family and uh, just thinking through that. So that's probably going to take up a lot of mine. What about you guys? Yeah, we have a beach trip in June, actually, just in a, uh, I guess, a little over a week now. Um, we go to Folly Beach, um, just outside nice. of Charleston. And that's good. We do that every year with Caroline's family. And then actually, I'll be doing a 10-year reunion with my uh, seminary friends, my guys, uh, in, uh, in July, at the end of July. Wow. So excited about that. It's crazy. It's been 10 years. We all have, you know little kids and it's just uh it's strange we all haven't wow. hung out for for quite a while so that'll be fun that'll be good yeah and that's that's the summer and um a lot to look forward to <laughs> and uh so you know we've got a really good show today we're going to be talking about two good topics one that a lot of you guys are thinking about um and the but the first though we're going to talk about philanthropy and actually in thinking about philanthropy and giving in the midst of high inflation in the midst of the you know the stock market's rocky last year. How do we think about giving in mm. those uh, in that sort of environment? Mm. And then in the math, you're going to be talking about the ominous debt ceiling. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So this is an article from Dimensional Fund Advisors, who's our mutual fund company. Very good. A lot of technical data that we will try to condense down into easily understandable concepts. But basically, just saying, hey, should you be nervous about the upcoming? Debt ceiling, you know, I know this recording when you get this will be after, um, but you know, if it's not the debt ceiling, it's something else sure, um, sure. that's going to be coming up. But specifically, yeah. we'll be thinking about the debt ceiling and the effects of that. Yeah, that's really good. And then, um, uh, yeah, I think it's just helpful for us to know how to process through that. By the way, my name is Zach 
Albanese. I'm a certified financial planner. I've been with Rich Young Associates for over two years and been an advisor for over three. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also a certified financial planner and am an advisor here at the firm. Yeah. So welcome to the show. We're excited that you're here with us and we want to start you off with the financial fact, Matthew. And I'm going to read it and don't look at the answer. I'm going to ask you if you can guess. I don't like when you do this. Your dad does this to me too. I don't like this. (laughs) All right. Here's a little quiz. If you're a US investor and lucky enough to have up to 35,000 left in your 529 college plan, uh, you can roll that over into a Roth IRA starting in 2024, provided the account has been open at least 15 years. And uh, money, the last money's been at least five years. So question, if you have 35000 mm-hmm. and you leave that money in there for 50 years, making 10%, what do you think the, the balance would be at the end of those 50 years? 10%. 10%. Double every seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? No, go ahead. Why'd you, why'd you laugh? Because <laughs> I know that. Uh, so 35, so 70, 140, 280, 560, I'm going to say $4 million. It's 4.1. <laughs> Did you look at the answer? <laughs> no, I just doubled just, two well, more okay. times. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so that's over it. 4 million. Yeah, so it's four, you know, over 4 million if you, um, you know, if you leave that in there. So the financial fact is that you're able to move money from a 529 plan into a Roth IRA account for the beneficiary that's listed on there. And this is a very, it's a new provision uh, according to the Secure Act 2.0. So if you have a 529 plan that's not going to be used for college, it's been open for 15 years. It's a really good option that you can think about uh, jumpstarting your kid's retirement if you so choose. So that's the financial fact of the week. Yeah, that's a good one. I think you know the the power of compound interest. No matter how long you've been doing this, is is always amazing. And um, yeah, just the the waiting and the growth can really, really, really change people's lives. So good fact. All right, let's uh let's get into this first read here. This one is from Kiplinger. Um, and the title, it's by Peter Klein. It was How to Find Room for Philanthropy Despite Challenging Times. And so this, this term, the philanthropic squeeze, yeah, that's a great term, right? Uh, the philanthropic squeeze mm. hits when consumers face higher costs and lower investment returns. And so this article talks about ways to maintain charitable giving in the midst of difficult mm. seasons. And so I think we've all been feeling this squeeze as of late, you know, and the ph- philanthropy world is feeling it too. So the cost of things we buy, whether it's food or clothing or even, even entertainment. I took my son, he had a birthday. We took him bowling. Bowling is very expensive bowling. now. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was always this kind of cheap, fun night. It's expensive. So anyway, bowling even, um, all these prices seem to have gone you know, way, way higher. And so according to the, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, Eggs, everyone's infamous discussion about eggs, uh, eggs increased in cost by 60% at the end of 2022. And it's come down a little bit wow. since then, but um, compared to how much they cost in 2021. And other kitchen staples like butter and margarine and flour increased cost by 23 to 44%. Wow. That's, that's a ton. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a difference. And that's the first part of the squeeze. Uh, the other being that stocks, bonds, and other assets have fallen as well. Um, economic, uh, economists blame inflation, pandemic remnants, and supply chain challenges. We're left with two issues then. The, the things that we use money for are increasing in cost, and the sources of money's growth, i.e. the stocks and bonds, are declining. Hence the squeeze. The financial squeeze may make us reconsider donating to the causes we care about, 
Um, but now is the time to keep giving. Zach, why is that? Yeah, you know, what I always like to say is where you give your money reflects the things that you care about. Oh, wow. And That's just good. because... Can you say that again? I can say it again. The things... Well, no, I can't actually, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> where you give your money reflects the things that you care about. Mm. And just because the market is down, just because we're in an economic season, doesn't mean you care any any less about these things. So it's important that we do the best that we can to keep giving in seasons of difficulty because guess what? Well, you know, the recipients, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a school or a church, they're also feeling the weight of the mm. financial burden. And if your um, philanthropy is because you care, literally philanthropy is from phileo and anthropos, two beloved Greek words. Mm. It just means love. love. No one, I mean, you know, Phil, Philia is Philadelphia, yeah, brother love. love. And then anthropos is just man, so lover of man, lover mm, of people. Okay. So if we truly are philanthropic lovers of people, then I do think it's worthwhile making that extra effort to at least consider. And I, I understand you can't give this necessarily the same way when in challenging seasons, but you still love those organizations, those entities, mm. those churches, nonprofits the same. So what can we do? So you know, giving back, it's not only the right thing to do, but it also feels good knowing you are contributing to people and ideas that are good for the world. Yeah, and I would, I would even just add on to that and say it can almost mean more to the recipient yeah. if you are not having excess. So if this yeah. is if this is affecting your lifestyle because things are not going as well as they have been, that can even mean more to the recipient. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, there's three ways the article talks about this. So Matthew, you know, what are some ways? we can find room for philanthropy even in challenging economic times. Yeah, so the first is to take a closer look at your finances. If you still need to, now is the time to evaluate your finances and see if there's anything excessive to cut. Donate funds to charity, um, to a charity of choice by creating and sticking to a reasonable budget. Once you can set aside money to donate, consider automating a monthly contribution so you won't be tempted to spend the money elsewhere. Depending on your economic situation, you may also consider a donor-advised fund. Donor-advised funds, uh, they allow investors to contribute to a charitable fund while keeping control over the assets. While these funds, with these funds, donors uh, get an immediate tax deduction while controlling how to invest the assets, um, including stocks, bonds, mutual funds, um, you know, and, and for the charities in which they give them over time. Contributing to a donor-advised fund during a high income year is a great opportunity to both maximize your philanthropic efforts and also to increase your tax deductions. A donor advice fund also does not mandate a certain um, cadence or you know sequence or uh, a rhythm through which you donate. You can yeah. donate one time a year, you can donate 30 times a year. It's, yeah, it's, it's up really to nice, you. it's very convenient. Yeah, and, and the capital gains grow tax-free. So you know, different ways to give, but really the key is to get on a budget. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The second point I like a lot, uh, making donating a family effort. I thought this one was really good. Um, and it talks about the, you know, Patagonia's founder, I think last year, September, there was this big thing in the news where he transferred the ownership to two nonprofits um, that were important to him. And so he, he estimates that about a hundred million dollars annually would go to these two organizations and um, to plan and implement his legacy gift he established a board of trustees. He included his family in the planning process. And then when a donor's family understands the big picture's goal, 
the big picture goal is that they'll likely want to support and contribute. So he didn't just make it about something he was passionate. He brought his family into it. And, and the reason I like this point is this is where casting a vision, telling a story is so important. If you tell a story as to why you donate, it's not just you know writing a check and sending it off, but there's a story to why you're donating to a certain cause. It, it makes it more tangible to the people around you. It's not just about feeling good about yourself, mm. but being part of something greater than <laughs> just yourself. That's good. And so donors who, who include their families in ongoing discussions about their intentions and details of the plan, they'll find it easier to get them on board. They'll build fond memories of bonding over helping others, will like, which will likely ensure that generational legacy of philanthropy to continue and, and give a smooth transition. So not only can contributing to a nonprofit as a family create memories and a bond, you know, but it also puts more resources in the same place. So instead of each family member donating to a different cause, multiple people support the same cause and create a more significant impact. I like this one a lot because, again, going back to my uh, thing I said earlier, mm -hmm. right? We, we give th to the things that we care about. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're giving to something you care about and your children are giving to that same thing, yeah, you, you just create this legacy of caring about um, things outside yourself. And I think that's an important thing to pass down. So, And this may be a little controversial, but I, I will throw this out there. I would encourage you, if you are philanthropic, not just to give blindly or just to say like, hey, it's just something we do. Like mm -hmm. we just give because we're supposed to. Like I would challenge you to maybe consider stopping for a season and really examining, hey, why are we doing this? Sure. Because like you said, there is a why behind it. Um, and it can be very good. And also it can um, not be pointless because it can be used for good. But just like engaging the story of the why of the why is very important. Yeah. So great, great point, yeah. Zach. This, this last one is, um, you know, you can support nonprofits in other ways. Um, there are several ways to support nonprofits that don't cost money but still make a big difference. You can volunteer your time. Yeah. Uh, nonprofits need helping hands to get things done. With volunteers, they, they can carry out their mission. So look for volunteer opportunities in your area related to causes that you care about. Uh, if money truly is too tight, um, like, uh, you know, liken that, you know, to a time budget, you know, like how can you spend your time in a way that you would desire to spend your money? Um, mm -hmm. Again, being generous with your time is the thought and understanding the why is important. Another uh, idea could be to donate your unused miles or points to a specific charity or cause. Yeah, that's good. If you're, if you're not using them, consider donating credit card points um, to nonprofits. So there's a number of ways to do this if you are desiring to be generous. Uh, it's really, again, I think you made a great point, just going back to the why uh, and getting back to that because you can find ways to be generous. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this next one is, you know, at the, we're at the tail end of spring cleaning, but it's not too late, Matthew. It's never too late to spring clean. So <laughs> if you are doing that, decluttering your home there are just so many ways you can just donate the stuff that you maybe you're not using and, and give to others and so whether it's you know other books or old phones or computers even eyeglasses you know there's someone who can benefit from those things and you know what you can even get a receipt for for tax deduction so that's one thing to think about another thing is if you're skilled if you're a contractor or a business owner you might consider donating your services to help a nonprofit. You know, maybe teach a class or provide consulting or work on a project pro bono. That's a great way to support a cause. And, and finally, another way to support a nonprofit beyond the finances is just spreading the word about your favorite nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Is there something locally that they're doing good work? Well, tell your friends about it. Again, this is all less awkward if you just, you, you give to places you care about. No mm -hmm. one's going to think you're 
weird if you're talking about your passion about this nonprofit because you exemplify those values in your day to day mm -hmm. life. It get people, you know, it, when when talking about giving money, people can get a little squeamish, but focus on these other things. Yeah, tell them about it. Give give your time. Hey, you're doing this volunteering thing, yep. helping out. They'll know you're passionate about invite it. Invite friends and invite friends. And the great thing about giving your time mm -hmm. is, guess what? You're going to meet like-minded people as well mm -hmm. doing those same things. So I think, you know, how to make room for philanthropy in challenging seasons, you know, we get it. It's hard to to have the same level of consistency, but use the seasons as a time to reevaluate. Give your, you know, give your money, give your time, give your services, give your things and support the things you care about. Um, you know, I think, I think you'll enjoy yourself and you'll bring others into uh, your enjoyment as well. Mm, so good. it's a good article. Yeah, it was good. Good article. And that's from uh, Kiplinger. That is Kiplinger. Yeah, David, or sorry, not David Klein. Is it David Klein? Peter Klein. Peter, you can, <laughs> you know. Anyway. Yeah, great. So, um, yeah, so that's our first. And now we're going to move on to the question of the week, Matthew. What is this question? Yeah, this question is, how much is too much to spend on family once? When does it become enabling an unhealthy lifestyle? I think this is in regards to older, you know, okay. uh, uh, kids, older kids who um, are relying on their parents. Do you have any thoughts? Oh, my goodness. I have so many thoughts, but we <laughs> might go over uh, <laughs> our time here. Family wants, you know, <sighs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, kids always want, like, everything mm -hmm. and they don't have a concept of money and time and you know why can't we just do this every day and um i you know my big thing i say to my kids is let's just slow down mm. you know let's just slow down let's think about what let's, let's do one thing mm. let's do that one thing um you know that's not necessarily advice but it, it is it's just hard i mean you need to know your family your your children and your situation um wants are good mm -hmm. i don't think we should you know discredit wants yeah, sure. desires. but um desires but yeah let's you know I'm, I'm a big i tell my kids all the time about quality over quantity right let's mm. do one thing and let's really enjoy it mm. as opposed to trying to squeeze in three or four things and then you can't you can't enjoy the moment that's i mean great. that's probably that's probably what i'd say yeah yeah no that's great man and i i think the encouragement would also be you know there are healthy boundaries even with older adult kids you know if they're relying too much on you like there's healthy boundaries that you can set they're not um, unloving, they can actually be more loving to to be honest with uh, with everyone involved. So yeah, that's that's a good that's a good piece of advice Zach, on that. So yeah, good question though. Good, great question. All right, Matthew, what are we doing now? <clears throat> Next article. <laughs> All right, this is from DFA Dimensional Fund Advisors. Again, they're our mutual fund company. Um, they are a great company, very academic. A um, lot of uh, smart people on their board. Uh, this is talking about the debt ceiling. Um, the debt ceiling is the amount of money Congress has authorized the government to borrow. The ceiling has been raised 78 times since 1960. It's not clear how the debt ceiling will um, will be resolved. We've uh, right, yeah, we we're, we're still you know experiencing the effects of that decision. Um, so you know the ramifications of that. Um, you know, will play out over the next months and years. Um, but this article is really going to be detailing what is it? Why should we be concerned with it? Why should we not? What's going on with that? Um, so, you know, with, with the ongoing debate over the debt ceiling, uh, if that causes you stress, uh, it's okay. You know, there are, there are situations right. that are just strange and it can cause you stress and that's okay. We want to try to alleviate some of that. 
Um, but again, this this reflects the amount of money that the U.S. is authorized to spend or to borrow. Um, and this has been increased, again, a number of times since the 1960s. Um, and every time it has been increased and it has come to a resolution at, at, at in some regard. Yeah, you know, the U.S. effectively reached the debt limit in January, triggering, you know, quote unquote, extraordinary measures by the Treasury Department to allow continued servicing of existing debts and obligations. But Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has issued a warning that the X date when these extraordinary measures must be exhausted could come as, as soon as June 1st, which, you know, just happened. It was yesterday, yes. Yeah. And uh, as that date approaches, without a political consensus to raise the debt limit, many investors are wondering how a breach of the debt ceiling could impact their investments. Yeah. And while debt ceiling debates can be nerve wracking, the implications for investors are uncertain. Historically, Congress has always raised the debt limit. And even if Congress failed to increase the limit in time, it's not clear what that would mean in practical terms. A range of payments could be impacted from salary payments for federal workers to interest and principal payments on federal debt. But trying to predict the likely scenarios is largely unproductive, especially given that markets have priced in the potential range of outcomes. Remember, markets are, are forward-looking predict predictors of what's coming down the road. So you know, it's our, we've already priced in what the market is assuming is going to happen. Um, sticking to a sound investment plan that's designed to achieve long-term goals can help investors see beyond this current turmoil that, that we see ourselves in. Yeah, that, that, that's key. And you know, as this X date nears without a clear path to political resolution, we may observe reactions and heightened volatility in both the equity and fixed income markets. The debt limit negotiations are one of many factors that will impact security prices. And in the debt ceiling crisis of 2011, U.S. Treasury yields declined during the period surrounding the culmination of the tense negotiations that resolved in August, despite S&P downgrading the credit rating of the U.S. sovereign debt from AAA to, to AA+. Mm -hmm. And so looking at past examples really can't tell us what will happen in the future, but it can provide an important reminder that trying to outguess the market is a fool, fool's errand. And I think that's the main point you were getting at, Matthews. You know, an investment approach that incorporates current price, yield information, these things allow investors to harness the market's collective wisdom and real-time adaptation to changing market conditions. Yeah, and this volatility is it's part of investing, right? I mean, exactly. facing uncertainty is a prerequisite to earning risk premiums because if you look at the opposite cash, there's no risk. And now there is a little bit of a reward, but that's yeah. because interest rates have risen other way. But typically there is there is if there's no risk, there's no reward. So with this volatility comes those higher returns that we've seen historically in the markets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so planning for this uncertainty with a flexible investment process can help you navigate volatile market environments while staying focused on your goals. And so what we see is reacting to these short-term uncertainties, uh, it may be a great way to derail your financial plan. If you, if you just let the tides of what's happening in the news and in the markets direct your long-term vision, it can really skew it. A yeah, lot. and there, there's a, if you didn't listen to the podcast, um, maybe it was two weeks ago two at weeks this ago. point, yep. you know, it talks about what really matters. Uh, go back and listen to that one. Um, it's a really good article by um, Howard Marks. He's a, he's been investing for 50 plus years and in managing investments, but he goes into this, what, what really matters. And he, he really rails on short-term events. Mm -hmm. They just do not matter long-term. So anyway, um, and I think going to your, your point, Matthew, the, if you have an investment approach with built-in flexibility, 
that really enables you to adapt to changes in market prices or credit spreads in real time. So that's the that's the key is like a well diversified portfolio. Um, it, it allows you to avoid unnecessary trading during times of of heightened volatility. Certain types of investment strategies like traditional indexing may face constraints that limit their flexibility due to having closely um, like a, a close track on the index regardless of current market mm. conditions. So. Mm. Yeah, designing the, these portfolios and processes with flexibility can help give portfolio managers and traders additional tools to sensibly manage ongoing risks, uh, potentially reduce costs, and maintain a focus on higher expected returns, even during these times of heightened market volatility. This year, measures of interest rate volatility on U.S. Treasury securities, they have been elevated, though these levels are influenced by a range of factors, including expectations for the federal funds rate. Uh, but we've seen in the past that with this increase in the volatility, those investors that have remained steadfast in their investing philosophies uh, to be diversified have weathered every storm to date and have had positive returns over time. I'll just say that again. Those who have stayed invested and have stayed disciplined mm -hmm. have seen positive returns over time. Now, while past performance does not guarantee future results, it is the best metric, metric to use um, to see what is, you know, what is going to be likely to happen in the future. Again, we can't predict the future, but we can look back and say, hey, th when this has happened in the past, this has been the effect of that. Yeah. And we can make decisions based on that. Yeah, I like the saying. It says, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Oh, that's good. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Sounds like a Zach thing to say. Maybe does. That's why I've ad adapted it. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you face uncertainty, it doesn't feel good to face uncertainty, but when you do face uncertainty, and we talk about it all the time, diversification really does remain one of the most important risk management tools available. And although a U.S. government technical default likely would trigger reverberations throughout the global markets, we do believe a balanced asset allocation of equity, fixed income, depending on your risk level, combined with a long-term investment horizon really are the best tools that investors can use to help ride out short-term and close to home uncertainty. Yeah, and as always, you know, if you have any questions or if you have any other stresses around this or anything else in your finances, please reach out to us. This is our role. This is yeah, what our job what is. It's it's our passion to try to alleviate fears and to provide some peace of mind. So please reach out to us. We'd be happy to talk through that and yeah, go from there with with you. Um, so that, yeah, great article from DFA. DFA um, does it again. They do it again. And that uh, is the end of that article. That's it. That's the end of the article. You're right. But now what do we move <laughs> on to, Matthew? We move on to the prescription of the week. Yeah, and these prescriptions are designed to be just little snippets of, little snippets. hey, that, okay, that's a good thought. You know, yeah. maybe just like a little ibuprofen or a little Tylenol. Yeah, like you go, to the, you go to the anything, pharmacist. But it's just going to help alleviate, you know, something or stir yeah. up some questions. That's right? it. Yeah. Because okay. we're the money doctors. Yeah, we're the money. So we got to provide a prescription. That's right. And this is go. it. This is where we're going to end today. All right. And this is it. How many times have you said or heard, I'm just too busy? Zach, have you ever said that? No, you know, I used to say that. Okay. But now I just say, <laughs> I just didn't. This is not a priority of mine. Oh, okay. You just, okay. I, I yeah, see I switched that. up the way I say it because. It, because there, there are priorities that you have to yeah. do. Yeah. Because it's just not that you're too busy. It's that there's other things that are more important. Which segues right into the prescription is to say, all right, we encourage you to make budgets of your money. 
But this week, we're going to encourage you also to make a budget of your time. Come on which, now. Which is exactly what Zach is referring to, that you have priorities. I promise you, you do. You cannot not sleep. That is a priority in your life that you cannot go without. You, you, you have to eat. For a little while, though. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? There are priorities that you <laughs> yeah, cannot yeah, go yeah. without. Yeah. And there are, there are things that are on the periphery. So making a budget of your time and saying, hey, these are the things that must get my time because they're the most important to me. And these things, if they don't happen, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. So that is, that's your prescription. It's just to think through your time, what your priorities are, what you want to do with your life, what is your overarching goal of your life. That is, that's a prescription. That's a good prescription. Yeah, that's good. I've, tr- I've tried to avoid saying that, you know, I'm too busy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just, he, my brother always wants me to like read all these crazy books i'm just like matt instead of saying i'm too busy like i just don't care (laughs) (laughs) i just like right now in my life i can't care about that yeah yeah and thank you four kids and a wife yeah yeah it's just it's just like i'm I'm thankful for you but i'm not gonna get to it it's not making the cut and that's important to know right you have boundaries you have you have a capacity that's right that's that's your prescription of the week that's good that's a good prescription and this is this week's edition of money md and you know, you can always tune in on moneymd.net to hear more prescriptions on your financial health. Go check that one a few weeks ago about what really matters when it comes to markets. That's good. You can also check out our website, moneymd.net. You can send us your questions. You can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Congratulations again, Matthew, on your engagement. That's huge. And um, yeah, enjoy. Thanks. Only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.